Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. You are now live with the Word on Wednesday. Happy New Year to everybody. Um, We're back, and hopefully you're ready to go tonight. This is... um, I know you're all sitting out there a little fatter, a little happier from having celebrated the holidays, and now it's time for us to get with it. Uh, When we left off, we left off at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to have a word of prayer, and we're going to dive right in with the hope that we can finish this chapter tonight. So, Let's have a word of prayer. I'll do, after the word of prayer, we'll do a quick review, and then we'll get right into it. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. God, we bless you and we praise you. We give you the glory. Father, we thank you for a time of rest, and now, God, it's time to get back to work. Your word reminds us there's a season for everything. This is our season to work. You tell us to study to show ourselves approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so tonight, God, we understand that we already know that we can't do it. We couldn't divide this word, and rightly, if we tried, because we just don't have the skill, we don't have enough sense. We don't have the insight to divide your word, but we know somebody that does. You can do it, God. And so we ask that you would be present tonight, that you would lead us and that you would guide us, that you would take us into your word, that you would explain your word, but not just explain it, but then, Father, motivate us to do your word. God, it takes faith and obedience. And so, Father, we want to be faithful and obedient to your word. And we can't do what we don't know. So help us to know. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just so you know um, where we are, we're at 1 Corinthians and we're at chapter 5. And we left off at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5. And now... What we need to do now is we need to kind of pick up where we left off. But before we can pick up where we left off, what we really have to do is we have to um, we got to catch you up because I know if if you're not reading along with us, then to drop to to pick up where we left off is to drop some people in the middle of nowhere land. Now we just finished um, talking about division within the church. Uh, that was the first. Uh, four chapters where we talked about the reasons for division. And now we get to chapter 5 where where we talk about this sexual immorality that is within the church, specifically that there is a man who is with his, father, with his stepmother. And Paul is saying that basically that he needs to be dismissed from the church. And we talked about that term, sexual immorality, and and we talked about what it meant. We talked about, you know, specifically um, 
church discipline. And so that's what we're in the middle of right now. And sometimes when we're looking at church discipline, we, we, we look at this piece in isolation. And what we say is, well, if there's no sexual immorality, and we took the time to define um, what sexual immorality was in this specific case last time, so I don't want to go back into it, but um, just in a nutshell, sexual immorality is anything that is happening between a man and a woman or a man and a man or a woman and a woman or whoever that is outside the boundaries that God prescribes. And God says that um, for Christians now, for Christians, that sex happens in a married, married relationship between a man and a woman. That's God's order. Now, I know that we have a lot of people are saying, well, you know, uh, if I'm in a committed relationship, uh, then that should be all right. Or if I'm in a relationship with another individual of the same sex, then that should be all right. You know what? That's not our business. That is not our business. That's, and we'll, you'll see that at the end of this chapter, what Paul says concerning all of that stuff. What we're concerned about is the behavior within the household of faith. When Paul writes the letter to the Corinthians, he is addressing believers. And so what we're talking about is the behavior of believers, the behaviors within the household of faith. That's what we want to center our attention on. Uh, so should be grieving. And we talked about why they should be grieving, why should they should be in mourning. They should be in mourning because Death is within the body. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be proud of this behavior. And he calls for them to be, he calls for discipline. Now, we have this, you know, what we've seen within the church today is a discipline that is not even-handed, that is not consistent, and that oftentimes is very, very prejudicial and it is unbiblical. Uh, I've seen instances where, you know, one of the one of the major ones that, that really has gotten away with me is where you have a young girl and a young boy and and, and the young girl comes up pregnant and the the you know their sex outside of marriage and they want to haul the young girl down in front of the church and make the young girl big part. Why do we do that? Why do we don't do that today? Why do we? Why why would we subject this young lady and to and humiliate her publicly when that's not biblical at all? That's not biblical at all. That's just something that we made up. And why do we honorate uh, uh, the, the the man by saying, uh, you know, that's, that's boys will be boys? No. If, if you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. But anyway, that's just you know, that's something that we we, we really have to work on. But anyway, let's let's get let's get back to the word because I I will go off on on this. It's a, uh, um, we're at. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. 
1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. It says, Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that ye may be a new batch without yeast, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. Okay, let's let's go right there. Let's go right there. So Paul says that your boasting is no good, and don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? What he is what he's doing metaphorically here is he's saying address sin within our church. What we do is we dismiss the standards of God and we allow our lives, our homes, and our church to be permeated by that specific sin. And then we become known for it. Mm -hmm. We become known for it. Uh, Our reputation is at stake. And if our reputation as Christians is at stake, if our reputa- if the church's reputation is at stake, do you not know that this reflects upon God? Because we are servants of the Most High. We are ambassadors, and all of a sudden they say, oh, that's what, those are God's standards, and since those are God's standards, then those are the standards that I'm going to adopt. Mm-mm. No. When we became born again, when we confessed Christ, when we gave our lives to Christ, when we became followers of Christ, we became imitators of him. And do you imagine that Jesus was at, would act this way? Is this the character of God? Is sin God's character, or is God holy? So what we have to emulate, what we strive for, is holiness. Yeah. What we strive for is to walk upright before God, to live according to the standards of God. And when we have to address something that is outside of the standards, Remember, what did he what did Paul say back up in um what verse was that? Take your glasses off because they're not working. Uh verse three, 3B, and I have already passed judgment on the one who did this just as if I were present. You see, what we have to do is we have to adjudicate a thing. Now yeah, I do this on a regular basis. So, King, how you doing? How you doing? Uh, every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Okay, so anyway, um, what, what we have to do is we have to adjudicate. But and notice the word that I use, adjudicate. I didn't say that we have to pass judgment. When we, take ju- when we talk about adjudicate, we have to examine it according to the God's standards and say, yes, that meets the standard. No, that does not meet the standard. Now, what we what we don't want to do is we don't want to pronounce 
sentence. We do not pronounce a sentence on an individual. What's the difference between judging and sentencing? Judging them, adjudicating, says we examine the facts and we say, okay, yes, this is right. No, that's not right, based upon the facts that are there. And right is what God says. This lines up with what God says. No, this does not line up with what God says. But then after that, we are supposed to make a decision as to what we will, um, how we will respond to this individual, but we don't pronounce a sentence on him or her. You see, the righteous judge, the one who will determine their destination, their punishment, and their reward is none other than Jesus Christ. That's it. Be careful. Be careful with that now. Because we're not we ain't got a heaven or hell to send anybody to. And so you have to make sure that you don't make that mistake. But within that church, we have to say, this is right according to the word of God, or this is wrong according to the word of God. That's, that's it in a nutshell. And so what Paul is saying is, look, if you don't do that, if you don't keep the standard, if you don't keep this God's standards in the church, if you allow people to come up in there and do whatever it is they want to do, practicing any kind of thing that they want to practice, and not evaluating it according to the word of God. I got to stress that because that's where we are right now. He's saying you are not walking according to the word. And because you're not walking according to the word, guess what? It's going to spread. Now, he's using this metaphor and he's directing their attention to the Passover. Why the Passover? Because the Passover is their point of deliverance and and. And what he is preparing them for is not for from their deliverance from sin, because they've been delivered from sin, from the uh, from the power of sin over them. Now, what they what he's getting them ready for is being delivered from the presence of sin. And what do you mean by the presence of sin? When we are raptured and taken up out of this world, you see. We have we have power over sin, or excuse me, sin does not have power over us, and we can refuse sin, but we can't. We don't get out of the presence of sin until we're out of here, until sin is dealt with completely. So, so he says now. now he, so he's basically he's alluding to what happens at Passover, and what happens at Passover? Well, the first thing that you do in preparation. Passover is that you go through your house and you take out, you get rid of everything that has yeast in it. You take out all of the yeast, and yeast represents sin. And so he says, a little bit of it, a little bit of it will spread throughout the entire body. A little bit, see, that's why sin is dangerous. And he doing this, what he's also emphasizing is God's standard of holiness. You see, we're called to be holy. We're called to walk upright. 
We're called to be, as they say, to overcome sin. Remember Cain, Cain, Cain and Abel? Remember that? It says, when, when, when after Cain, oh, before Cain killed Abel, what did he say? He says, don't you know that sin is at your door and it is going to get you, but you have to master it? Let me, let me turn over. I, I, you see, if God warned us from the very, very beginning. Turn over to Genesis real quick. Because that, that that that's a that's a very very important point, you know. When we when we're dealing with sin, we can't let sin master us. We definitely can't let sin master uh, uh, sin master the church. But what's happening is is we have given sin such a foothold by our failure to practice good discipline within ourselves and within in the church body that that. Here it is. Uh, it's Genesis chapter 4, verse, let me read 6, six 7, and 8. No, 6 and 7. It says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, They're waiting on you. But you have to master sin. You can't let sin get you. You got to get control of it. And what 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 he's what he's calling for here is he's saying he's basically saying the same thing. Look, sin is gonna get your this whole church if y'all don't deal with it. And this is gross sin here. Sin. We can't just accept it. We can't roll over and play dead. We got to fight. We got to fight. We've got to. Uh, uh, there are certain things you got to plead the blood. You got to fast. You got to pray. You got to uh, release the power of God. I can go in, uh, a lot more, but I, I'm going to finish this chapter tonight. Okay, so he says Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. We are covered with the blood. You see, at that Passover, the blood was applied. The blood is applied. And when Christ went to the cross, the blood was applied. When you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, the blood was applied. And so you have been delivered from the power of sin. You are free. You are no longer a slave to sin. But instead, you have found freedom in Christ. But now sin's laying at the door, trying to, waiting for you, trying to get you. Sin is waiting at the door of the church. Now they've invited sin in, and they're boasting about sin, and, and the church is going to die because of that. It says, therefore, let us keep the festival, I'm at verse 8, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, 
but with bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth, who are immoral, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, in that case, you would have to leave the world. Now, look what he's doing here. Now he's he's telling us, look, hold on. When I wrote you and I talked to you about this, I didn't. I wasn't talking about your associations outside of the body of Christ. Uh, uh-uh. I'm talking about those who have been born again. And watch this. Watch what he says. Or the greedy and the swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world. But now I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother. Let me stop at that comment. Anybody that is professing Christ and who is not practicing, who is not practicing walking upright before God, we're not supposed to be associating. Did you hear that? Anyone who calls himself a Christian, you see, this is this is where this is where you know, some of our evangelical brothers are making a mistake. Anybody who calls himself a Christian and is living an immoral lifestyle, we're not supposed to associate with them. And by associate with them, what we're saying is we're not supposed to mix with them. We're not supposed to allow ourselves to get mixed up with them. And there's a Greek word in there, and it basically means it means to commingle ourselves with them. Mm, what happened here? Let me give you let me give you an example. What happens when you mix two ingredients together, hmm? what happens when you when you take some sugar, and I'm just going to use a, a little recipe kind of If you mix some sugar and some butter and and some milk and some eggs together, you you have a concoction there that will eventually, if you put the right stuff together, put the right heat on it, eventually leads to some cake or some sweet. Okay. But when you mix them together, you change the basic properties of that. God calls us to be pure. Now, if you put up some sugar in some sugar, you still got nothing but sugar. But when you mix it with something else, you have something different. You have something that's another. And what what Paul is saying here is that I don't want y'all mixed up with them. That's what happens within the household of faith right now. When you mix the faithful with the unfaithful, what you get is a concoction of something that don't nobody really know what it is. So you got one brother over here who is screaming, who's walking upright, mixed up with another brother who's doing everything wrong. What does the church look like? What does the world see? Does the world see 
the, the, the good brother, or does the world evaluate the church by the behavior of the bad brother? Well, you know who they're going who, who to say. Yeah, he a Christian, and he acting like that. I don't have nothing to do with them. When what should happen is, if somebody is not walking according to the word of God, we shouldn't have nothing to do with them. Now, let me qualify that. If they're not practicing, because none of us going to get it all right. If they're not practicing holiness, because we don't mess up from time to time. Mm-hmm. But if we get sitting up there and, you know, your behavior is if somebody bothers you or somebody coming at you the wrong way and you just got to cuss them out, there's a problem there. I don't want to be bothered with you. Now, every now and then I can see you going full tilt, you know, and just, you know, it, it happens. But you are not trying to master sin. Sin has mastered you. You have yet to recognize that you have been delivered from the power of sin. So sin is steady overpowering you. And you calling yourself a brother and you don't know that you have the power over it, not it over you. You see where I'm going with this thing? So anyway, let me see. Oh, yeah, I got I got to wrap up. It says, do not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler, with such a man do not even eat. This is, uh-uh, no table fellowship with him. No intimate relations with him. See, that's what eating is, by the way. That's what fellowship is. That is having an intimate relationship with someone. Have you ever noticed that certain folk you can't eat with? You ever notice that? That's because, let's finish the chapter off. It says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. Mm-hmm. Put him out. Notice what he cares. The wicked man. Expel him out of the fellowship. Excommunicate. He gone. Goodbye. See you later. That's the way you're going to act. We've been to you. We've did the Matthew 18 routine with you. We've come to you privately. And when we're coming to someone, the purpose is not to point out they're wrong. The purpose is to restore them. Discipline is not designed to separate a person. Discipline should be designed to bring them back into the fold properly so they can continue to the community of faith can continue to operate as one. Discipline is designed for unity. Yes, that's what discipline is. You see, when we discipline each other, every now and then, you know, hey, my wife has to discipline me. Every now and then somebody has to come along and rebuke me. And rebuke doesn't mean, you know, just tell me off and talk all hard to me and everything. No, a rebuke is just someone coming along and saying, hey, man, you, you, you're doing that wrong. 
have you considered this? You know, you know we're so sensitive and touchy now and, and, and so full of pride that we can't take a rebuke. And, a rebu- and, and when you rebuke somebody, you rebuke them gently. You rebuke them in love. And rebuke don't, you know, all in your face. No, rebuke is, you know what, man, I, I, I notice you're doing um, such and such a thing, and that's going to get you in some trouble. That's a rebuke right there. That's going to get you in some trouble. Now, here's what here's what we should be doing here. And the reason why I'm saying this, because I was reading this the other day in God's Word, and this is what pleases God. But that right there, that's not going to please God at all. Because it's, it's, it's against what he has said. That's it. And when you, and, and what does Galatians say? When a man be overtaken in a fault, restore such a one. Restore meaning set it right. Help him get in the right order. And that's what he's calling here. That's why he says, look, if he don't listen to you, if he doesn't listen to you, then you got to go. Because now he's telling him to go through the process of Matthew 18, where Jesus says you go to him privately. You ain't listening? Get somebody else to go with you. Still don't listen? Take him to the church. Take him to the elders. Let the elders. And if he still don't, treat him like a treat treat him like a publican or uh, one of the pagans. Don't have nothing to do with him. It does not say. It does not say that he is lost forever. Says no. We just you know you got to cut him off. So and Paul basically says. Turn him over to the devil. You want to follow the devil? You want to play with the devil? Let the devil go ahead on and do do me in real good. But he he still can be saved. Mm -hmm. Let me finish. Then he says, he says, look, I ain't talking about them folks outside the church. We're going to mind our own business. I'm talking about the ones in the church. In the church. We got our own business. God got to take care of them, them outside the church. But the ones inside, that's us. And what are we trying to do there? We're trying to maintain unity. We're maintaining unity. See how this bled right out of that, that, that the, the previous chapters on division? Now all of a sudden, look what's happening. Maintaining unity by getting rid of folk who, and when I say get rid of, that's, that's, that's the wrong way to say it, by removing people from the fellowship who are not walking according to the word of God. What do you mean by that? Who are not practicing holiness. That's what that chapter is all about. Remove those who are not practicing holiness, those who are not exhibiting being born again. As, as Robin Harris used to say, gotta go, gotta go. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We thank you that for the time that, that, that we had to rest time that we spent partying, the time that we spent with family. But now, God, we've been called back to the table again.
to feast on your word. We thank you that you provided for us. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you got questions, you can call me at on on our Blog Talk Radio at 929-477-2304, 929-477-2304. And if you're on Facebook Live, you can just put it on the screen. Believe it or not, even with these glasses, I can see a little bit. I can see a little bit. I, I put my cute glasses on tonight, and they might be cute, but they ain't no good for seeing nothing. I can't see a thing if, uh, you know, I got to look all crazy and everything. Now, one last thing that I want to say, um, when we're dealing with discipline, we're dealing with discipline, is restoration and unity. The goal of discipline is to bring someone into line with Christ to, to, to restore fellowship. We don't want to disrupt the fellowship. And more importantly, to make sure that that person has fellowship with God because sin destroys fellowship. So everything that we do, we have to do lovingly, lovingly. Again, we don't go, you know, poke our chest out and get just as arrogant and, and crazy and loud as anybody else. No, we do it in love. And we do it not in the, in the legal sense, but we do it in the sense that we are concerned about that individual. You see, that's what's most important. Um, when God disciplines you, does God come at you all the time mad with his mouth out, throwing lightning bolts and lighting you up? No. But generally sometime in the, in the middle of the night he kind of hey. Shake me in my sleep and say, you know, we need to talk about this. Or even during my prayer time, you know, I've asked them a question or I've been, you know, out of sorts. That's the way I like to put it. I've been kind of out of sorts. And he says, you know, Winfred, you want to look at that right there because that's wrong. I, the behavior that you're exhibiting, that's not of me. See how gently, gently. That's how, that's how gentle he comes to me, and then he will review my behavior with me, and then say, "Now, what were you supposed to do there? Between right and wrong, and so let's just review the right, so we could deal with the wrong." That's the same way, with that same gentleness and with that same love, with that same commitment to care that we have to approach our brothers and sisters for discipline. That God, the way God deals with us, that's the way we have to deal with each other. Amen? So I don't see any questions uh, coming from either direction. So I, I just had to take the final minutes just to make sure that we understood the spirit that is necessary to, to, discipline, to implement dis, discipline properly. Amen? So if there's no other questions that I'm going to call it a night, uh, bless you. We will start uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 next Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, or no, excuse me, 7 o'clock. need you to be in prayer for me, my, my, my wife. Um, pray for the ministry. Pray for the ministry. And pray that God will continue to reveal himself to us. This has been Pastor Winfred Burns, the Word of
on Wednesday. Have a good evening. Good night.